listening to a Give Me Five podcast special edition on The Mandalorian Season 1, Episode 2. Pew, pew! Guys, if you are a regular listener to our podcast, you will know that sometimes we occasionally bump out episodes of things that we decide that we're going to cover a little bit more closely. This happened with Game of Thrones and a couple other things. We do this specifically because our listeners have asked us to, and we are nice people. We don't want to spoil something. Lies. Uh, shh. We don't. We, no, that's true. We don't want to spoil something. No, no, no. I meant that we were nice people. Shh. I was trying to cover that up, but yes. So anyway, what we do is we we try to uh, talk about these things without, so people can listen to our regular episodes without spoiling stuff that they may not have had a chance to watch, but The Mandalorian has us very excited in ways that, you know, we really shouldn't be discussing on podcast terms. Call us if you want to know. Mm -hmm. And episode two is no mistake. Now, if we screw up and accidentally talk about stuff that happened in episode three, our bad. Well, I was I was going to ask if you wanted to just combine it and do like a two, three. Because I honestly, I don't I mean, I. I might mess it up. Well, episode two. I'm probably going to mess it up. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm going to do it separate because I, I kind of like it, the way it looks in the feed. Okay. But I do have the notes here because we, this is actually a weird thing. This is behind the scenes stuff. You were, you were like watching the behind the scenes stuff in the, in the DVD of the podcast. We actually recorded this already, but for some reason it, did the opposite recording for me and Rob. So whenever I press the record button, it stopped recording for Rob, but recorded for me. So it was, it was acting up sort of like a droid that has been poorly repaired by a bunch of Jawas. Hmm. Okay. So this episode, this is episode two. This is where the Mandalorian has just found baby Yoda. Adorable. Baby Yoda do 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 do. Baby Yoda do 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 do. Baby Yoda do 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 do. Baby Yoda. Okay. Uh, Disney is frantically making toys as we speak. I'm sure. And, no doubt. And I want one. I want a stuffed Baby Yoda. But someone else wants a stuffed Baby Yoda. See what I did there? That is a group of Trandoshans. Trandoshans are the race. Of who, Rob? Bosk. Yes, one of my favorite bounty hunters because... He lizard was, people! He was a lizard person. He was just supposed to be a background character and back when they were making these movies before there was thousands of us like looking at every little thing and they had an extra uh, rebel uniform, which is actually some other uniform from some... I forget if it was like the British Air Force or something. But they stuck it on there so this is giant lizard guy in an ill-fitting uniform. But he is a Trandoshan. And he, there's a bunch of them, and they're different. Um, different. They have a different look than Bosk. They're all different, like colors and things. It's kind of neat. Mm-hmm. And they go after him, and he shows them his his. Uh, uh, ambin, it's an Ambin Phase Pulse Blaster, by the way. His weapon is that what it's called? It is. I looked it up because I have nothing better to do while I'm pooping. I already Excellent. finished War and Peace. And now I'm like, oh, what's the name of all of the weapons in Star Wars for the podcast? Excellent. But he disintegrates the hell out of one of them. Out of, like, all of them. 
Yeah. And it does harken back to Empire Strikes Back. No disintegrations. There you go. Uh, Rob will come to your house and do children's parties dressed as Darth Vader. And he even I do does, have he, the costume. He does the voice. He'll even skip his asthma medication so that he has the breathing. There you go. <laughs> In the course of this little battle, he gets an injury. He does. A wee scratch upon his arm. And baby Yoda's trying to heal it for him, and he's it's just like, get back in your adorable. cradle. I thought that was so cute. And, it like, was. I can imagine filming it was adorable, because, like, he's clearly picking up a doll of Baby Yoda, although it's, it's a, you know, they, they cut away to a long shot, but he, like, picks it up and carries him back. Carries Baby Yoda back, because Baby Yoda's holding up his little, like, paws, little three fingers. He's like, I'm going to heal you. And he's just like, no, you're just, you're the enemy, as he calls him later in another mm-hmm. episode. And he's like, puts him back. He doesn't want to fall in love with this little thing. Um, so that happens. He gets back to his ship, and it has been stripped by Jawas. I, I was actually one. This is something that we didn't discuss the first time we recorded this, but the second time I was wondering, how did the hell do Jawas get off of Tatooine? Like, I, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. We don't really ever see them with a ship, and they don't. I guess they can build robots. They can build a ship, but they can fly. And there are some Jawas. Well, no, those Jawas are in Jawas Palace, so they're. So apparently there's some Jawas flying around. I think there's a Jawa Jedi in one of the like extended universe things. Is there really? I think so. Um, That would be funny. You're getting real time conversation here, people. Has there ever been a Jawa Jedi? Uh, Yes. Akial. Akial was a Jawa male who was a member of the Jedi order during the waning years of the galactic Republic. Ooh. Uh, He trained at the Jedi Academy. Excellent. And uh, I'm guessing he is dead. Is he dead? Probably. Um, so either way, um, he he was he was created for a role playing game. So there you go. He was in the role playing game of Star Wars, but that might not be canon. But anyway, um, so the Jawas have stripped his his ship. We actually saw how many weapons the dude had in the ship in the first episode. It was a lot. Mm-hmm. And they're okay. all gone. Yeah, they're gone. Half of the ship is gone. Uh, he goes in, kind of tries to start it up as if he was going to go anywhere and nothing happens. So he he realizes he has to chase down these Jawas. Uh, kind of bad father there. Leaves the, the little Yoda dude just kind of floating behind him. He runs after the, uh, the sand crawler. And this sequence was awesome. And... You'll, tell you us, didn't rem- tell us what it reminded you of, Greg. Uh, totally reminded me of the SNES game, which I I I had gotten out of a Star Wars phase for a little while, and then mm-hmm. around the same time, the the Star Wars books, the Thrawn books, came out, and the SNES game, Star Wars Jedi and uh, Empire, not in that order, but came out, and it just brought me right back because you played through those sequences. And for the for the Jawa level, of course, because it's a video game, you don't just want to go and buy a droid. You actually had to climb up the side of a of a sand, sand crawler. crawler. <laughs> the Jawas would pop their heads out of like little hatches in the door and throw stuff at you. And there was like blasters that would shoot like the three bolts that would fly out in like a you know like a pyramid shape. Mm-hmm. And it was um, so it was basically that the the Mandalorian had to climb up it, gets to the top and gets blasted just like in Star Wars: Galaxy of Heroes, shocked and launched off the side of it where he uh, lands down below. Mm-hmm. Now, th- this is one of those, I guess I'll ask you about this. Did you, did 
did you like the detour? Because, you know, like overall, it doesn't really have much just for the overall story. But did you like the little adventure of him spending all this time climbing up just to get knocked off? The Yes, I, I liked the action sequence because ultimately that's what it ended up being. That's what it was mm-hmm. because it didn't really amount to anything because he didn't get onto the sand crawler. But it was a nice little action sequence. They knock him off, but he catches up with them later when um, I Have Spoken Guy helps him out. He takes him to the... Yeah, I think it's like a Kili or Kili. I, forget, I don't know how to pronounce it. There's like a bunch of eyes. Yes, they do, they do catch up. I, I actually thought this harkened back a lot to the original Star Wars stuff. Like there's little sequences in all of the Star Wars movies that just teach you about the characters without having to tell you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm always brought back to like the, the trash compactor scene. You learn a lot about the characters just on how they react to it. Right. Um, even the scene in Jedi, even though you know the characters at that point, but where Chewie decides that he wants to have a snack and they end up in a net. It's just little things like that where your heroes are not infallible. Or there's an unhappy Porg. Yes. Poor, unhappy, delicious Porg. <sighs> and uh, so anyway, yeah, as Rob said, he does he does happen upon the Jawas later. And he he basically goes there. He's, he's about to start... Uh, shit i guess and his buddy who taught him how to ride the giant like pac-man monster creature thing uh basically like oh well uh you know let's solve this by uh and talks to the jawas and they want the egg and i thought this was going to go differently did you Mm -hmm. i did too but then i was like oh god watch them just cut it open and eat it Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what they did yeah, so they go after this uh, creature. I think it's a mudhorn. Yep. Yeah. So he, mud go, he goes to this mudhorn. It is aptly named as it has a giant horn and is living in a cave with a giant mud pit out of it, which I was 100% convinced was mudhorn poop. And, Possibly. And mudhorn urine, because I've got a little pit like that in my front yard where my French bulldog pees in exactly the same spot every day, and it's, it's this little mud pit in my front yard. But nonetheless, gross. And anyway, they uh, he battles it and gets his ass handed to him for the most part. He does. But most importantly here, we get the realization that Baby Yoda can use the Force. And yeah. Baby Yoda can do some impressive things with the Force. Yeah, he uh, he. we saw him try to use the Force earlier to heal, but nothing really came of it. But... Uh, he does, as our Mandalorian friend gets hit by this thing with this giant like horn in the front of its face and goes flying. He gets nailed a bunch of times, and he's about to level his little disintegration, well, big disintegration blaster at this thing. And he goes to press the trigger, and as it should do after it lays in a puddle of mud. Uh, Malfunction. Crappy, crappy 90s bad reference. I think every time I make a 90s band reference, um, you guys need to scream like uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse. So it lands in a puddle of mud where it get and he's all stained. Ah! And of course the blaster has a pearl jam. No. No, no, come on. No. Fine. You you reached for that one. Unfun ass hat. I'm never gonna get stone temple pilots in there, am I? Nope. Anyway. Yeah. So he, it does not work, and it's, this thing is about to charge, and all of a sudden it starts floating um, high above the bush. No, there was no bush. There was no bush. The mud 
puddle again. Uh, and yeah, so it's, it's hovering around. And uh, you realize that he has the force, but he's new at it because he does pass out. So we uh, we are treated oh, to it. It was so friggin' cute, too. Oh, yeah. He's like standing up in his cradle and he's like got his hand extended. He's like, Arr! and then he just drops. Yeah. Uh, this allows the Mandalorian to hit him with a vibroblade little tiny itty bitty knife, which incapacitates and or kills the Mudhorn immediately. Uh, the Mudhorn, giant mammal-looking creature, lays an egg. Interesting. Goes, Yeah, it's pretty gross. He goes and gets the egg, brings it to the Jawas, and you think it's something they're going to, like, you know, worship like it's C-3PO or something. But, no, they uh, they basically cut it open. He cut, I think he cuts it open with the fiber blade. No, and they start, the Jawas do. Oh, the Jawas do? Okay. And they immediately start just devouring it. Like, it's gross. There's just egg schmuckus and yellow everywhere and, and they're just yeah. rubbing it on their faces yeah it was like it's, like it's war paint like a little jawa egg orgy it was kind of hot actually <laughs> if you're into that sort of thing um anyway at the end of this they take off and the jawas are left to have their little jawa egg orgy and they head off and uh you know, he does offer up his buddy uh, Mr. Gary Busey, alien, to come with them, and he's like, "Nah, I just wanted to get rid of the unpleasant creatures that were here." So that is the end of episode two. Still, very short episode. All of them been pretty short, but there's been no filler, which I've liked. Mm-hmm. And every single episode so far has left me wanting more. Yeah, it's never enough. Never enough. I'm I'm gonna be disappointed when the season ends and we've got to wait like. I don't know, eight months for a new episode. Yeah, I think they're filming the next season now, if I remember correctly. They're fi- there's some show that said they're filming now. Yeah, they are. They are filming now because I think um, Favreau posted something. So definitely worth the, the watch. Uh, as I said, this is a shorter episode that we're going to cover these on. Uh, however, if you stay tuned after the end music, you are going to get a little bit of a conversation. So our uh, episode 108 we had an interview with C.S. Umble. C.S. Umble was talking about the prequels of Star Wars. Oh, God. And he was talking a little fondly about them. C.S., you're a nice guy, but no. And and, and when someone talks fondly about the prequels, Rob cannot let that stand. There are certain injustices Rob will not let go. So he stood up. Don't you rape my childhood with this bullshit prequel crap. No. He... Stood up, and what he said is, yes, hells no, the prequels suck. Uh, my wife would cheer you for that. So there is a little bit of that conversation after the, the end credits. So thank you for listening to the, uh, in this case, Mandalorian 15 Minutes. Woo! And uh, check out all of our other episodes. Good afternoon and good night and stuff. Yes. And... Uh, uh, Alice in Chains. Yeah, Troll Troll 2 is terrible. Masters of the Universe is well we'll get to that
<laughs> okay, I will qualify that statement by saying, by Star Wars standards, mm. they were terrible. Mm, okay, okay. We're going to agree as, to disagree, which is fine. As far as Star Wars standards are concerned, they were terrible. Mm. The, the And the, the glaring one for me is the Phantom Menace. Because the, the, fan, the Phantom Menace was... Uh, Yippee! Uh, Jar 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 was was grating, but no one's going to argue that. Right. Totally agree. But the the acting, in my opinion, the only decent acting really in that movie was Liam Neeson. Um, The the kid who played Anakin was not fantastic. I mean, granted, he's a kid. So you kind of let that you kind of let that slide because he's a kid. Ian McKellen. Is it Ian? Not McKellen. uh, Ian McDermott. He is. He was good throughout. Ian McDermott. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's he's great. He did the problem with Ray him is Park he is good because he has no lines. That well, not true. And he, he got lines that got taken away when he uh, got redubbed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I I like those movies. I think if you, I, I, that's not to suggest that they're great cinema. No one's going to suggest they're great cinema. I I will say I liked the story. Mm. I did not like the execution. I'm that was you. my problem. I didn't like the execution of it, and uh, no, I'm, no, I, I get it, Dad. I get it. I totally understand <laughs> it. I totally get it. <laughs> but they are oh. like they are still like you know kiddos today. Like my kids watch it, and they're just like, I mean, Darth Maul seems like the most dangerous person, and I'm like, really? You have already seen Darth Vader, and they're like. But but Darth Maul has two lightsabers. I'm like, yeah, and he <laughs> lost. He lost. And, then my son and that was the like, other thing. That's, at me? that's that seemed kind of <laughs> like a a stop yelling. One of those things where you know they have to come up with some way to to basically end the bad guy, <laughs> and that is one of the cheesier. It's like he he does all of this amazing acrobatic aerial stuff and he he fights Qui-Gon Jinn and kills him and he basically beats the crap out of Kenobi and has this huge just lapsing concentration as he watches Kenobi jump out of the pit the pit flip over him like 16 times grab his lightsaber turn around and cut him in half all while Darth Maul just kind of stands there and is like spoiler because you would also be blown out of your seat if a person jumped 12 feet from, well, a, see, from, from a holding but Darth, position. But Darth Maul is, is a trained Sith assassin, and he should not be surprised by the abilities of a Jedi. If Darth Maul was so great, how come he got cut in half? Because it was bad writing. <laughs> That's why. Oh, I love this conversation. Oh, man, this is tremendous. That's why. People oh, love Darth like. Darth Maul has become what Boba Fett used to be. Like, Boba Fett was in the original trilogy, and everybody's like, Boba Fett? Boba Fett's amazing. He's the most dangerous bounty hunter in the galaxy. Who and got taken like out a by chump. a blind... <laughs> by he a blind like a chump. Solo, right. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> the, the only way that the death of Darth Maul could have been made any worse is if for some reason during the fight, Jar Jar had wandered through the scene, stumbled and tripped Darth oh, Maul God, and had been him fall on his own freaking lightsaber. Oh, That's the man. only man. way that death could have been any worse. I was like, really? That's how he's going to go out? I know, but you, you, have to, you have to show that Obi-Wan is special. 
Obi-Wan is capable in a way that even Qui-Gon is not capable. And I get that. I get that. But there's a I'm with better it. way to I mean, do you it. Don't, you don't have to yell at me. I didn't write the goddamn movie. <laughs> yelling like, like, I'm the author of The Massacre at Yellow Hill. I'm not the author of The Phantom Menace. And would I have done stuff differently? Obviously, we all would have done stuff differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the film is written for kiddos in 1999. And it does a great job of in of ensorcelling kids imaginations from that time period. I mean that's why like you know 19 and 20 year old kids today they're like man I just love Attack of the Clones. I love the love story. They love it in the way that we love the we love Empire. Now objectively Empire is a better film because it was written by Lawrence Kasdan and Lawrence Kasdan is a better writer than George Lucas. But the sentiment for them is still just as deep the nostalgic wound still runs straight to the marrow and so in there there is a you know there's a there's a, a defense there you know that they're not great films but they are they are wonderful films and what they accomplish for me anyway i'm not saying you have to feel that way so <laughs> and I know, I, well i know we're way off topic here but i'm sorry but we're, we're we're going so i i'm just gonna i'm just gonna ask another question of the most recent films mm-hmm. it, it basically excluding the original trilogy mm-hmm. what would you say is your favorite or even your top three uh the top three from the, the, the sequel the best the best done the most well done um so i think this is hard for me because the cinematography of no i'm just gonna go ahead and say this so the force awakens is the best of the prequels and the sequel trilogy so far, because it is the most star Wars film of any of the films. Um, the last Jedi committed so many sins that I don't want to like it, but I still have to understand that this is the direction that the trilogy has gone. And so there's nothing I can do to change it. Um, and then and revenge has the Re- really badass throne room fight. See, I have a problem. Like I have a lot of problems with the, th- like, like in terms of the cinematography and the, to me, the fight choreography is rough because there's so many people just waiting to do stuff because, mm-hmm. you know, it's two on seven. Um, but is, but is the last Jedi better? I, so I would say the force awakens revenge of the Sith. And I know a lot of people hate attack of the clones. They absolutely hate it. Um, but for me, that whole movie. That was my favorite of the three prequels. Attack of the Clones was my favorite of the three prequels. Right. And for me, the moment the moment that sells the show for me is when Anakin and Padme are standing in front of the archway in front of the Geonosis Arena. And she says, I truly, deeply love you. And it's the first time that Natalie Portman gets a chance to deliver a line that's not wooden. And you feel mm-hmm. that moment. And then John Williams' score of Across the Stars swells, which he's the secret sauce in Star Wars. Um, and then they kiss. And for me, that kiss was real. Like I was like, okay, I'm bought in. Now show me 40 minutes of Jedi's fighting people. <laughs> and you have me. Bugs. <laughs> I, I will say, I think you've overlooked a movie. And it's possibly because of the way that I asked the question. Mm-hmm. But the question is the the best Star Wars movies since the original trilogy, because in my opinion, far and away, Rogue One is the best one that's come out. 
Okay, so I thought we were just talking about, uh, and, and I, that's what I figured. I figured it was because of yeah. the way that I asked the question. But so if we're doing that, if we're doing that, yeah, go ahead. But uh, so if we if if we're allowing the uh, canonical non Skywalker saga, um, then I would say it would go. The Force, man, I just love The Force Awakens so much. I love that it it embraces everything that Star Wars is unapologetically. Um, and then I would say I like Solo. I think Rogue One and Solo are pretty much on an equal footing for me. And they take spots 2A and 2B and then Revenge of the Sith. Okay. Because we actually did a, um, a give me five. Are you, are you there, Jimmy? Okay, he's not. We actually did. Here, a, oh, okay. That's all right. We we did a give me five, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jimmy, but we did a give me five question where we asked for our top five favorite moments from Star mm. Wars movies. Mm. And and my absolute favorite moment is from Talk Rogue One. Okay, favorite moment is from Rogue One. I'm going to take a mm-hmm. guess. Let me peer into my crystal ball here. Oh man, there's so many good scenes. Hmm, so many good ones. Uh, is it? Uh, is it the death of Chirrut? No. No. Okay. Um. Hmm. It was the everything. Oh, or go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go ahead. ahead. No. No. no go I was ahead, gonna go say. It's everything from the way the shot is framed, the way it's set up, the way the characters are acting to the delivery of the scene. It's just, I mean, I literally was sitting in the theater like, mm. that mm. would be um, from the moment I sat down in the theater to the moment I got up. Yeah. Well, it's Star, it's Star Wars done as war film, right? We'd, we've seen lots of, Star Wars done as Western, Star Wars done as samurai film. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, this is the first time we got Star Wars Vietnam. And uh, and so, the, and pl- the guy who plays Krennic, I always forget his name. I hate that I forget his name. But like, the way, like, there, he delivers his lines. Like when um, Mads Mikkelsen, when his wife comes running out of the, and he goes, Alyssa, it's a miracle. And you're just like, we knew you knew the whole time. Stop it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, he's he's mm-hmm. so deliciously evil. And, and uh, the fact that they brought back Tarkin, woo, I love that. Absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. Your rebel yeah. friends. Mm. Yeah, I love Rogue One. I thought it was a, I thought it was a triumph. I thought it was excellent. But my favorite scene mm. is at the end of the movie. Mm. And because I grew up on the original trilogy and I and I've watched it and I'm like, well, you know, because the fight choreography back then wasn't so fantastic like it is now. And you had this you had this two handed duel between Obi-Wan and Vader. And it was kind of really clunky. And oh, Guinness was like 58 years old. Yeah, I know. I know. And I understand that. But you you didn't get the sense of why people were afraid of Vader. Like he literally made people tremble in their boots. And 
and basically the only thing that you get that from the original trilogy is the scene like where he chokes the guy. He force chokes the guy. But the scene at the end of Rogue One. Oh yeah. Where where all of the soldiers are lined up down the hallway and you know the the music is going and the camera's looking down the dark hallway and the mm-hmm, rebel soldiers mm-hmm. look all terrified and stuff and then Vader's lightsaber ignites at the end of the hallway. And I was sitting in the theater and I literally went Oh shit. Right. <laughs> you know, you could feel the terror right. that was coming from these soldiers. And then just watching Vader march down the hallway, deflecting all of the lightsaber blasts, throwing people against the wall. He lifted that one guy up onto the ceiling and then cut him in half as he walked past. I was it's like, so holy good. crap. Right. It was such an amazing scene. And that scene to me personifies why people were terrified of Vader. And that shows right. why. Right. And that, that and is no, without I, question my favorite scene in all of yeah, Star Wars. You can't you can't argue with that. And the great thing about that scene is that they just kind of added it in. Like mm-hmm. I don't think it, it it was sort of like a we can't end the film with the with the atomic kiss and then people get the planet blowing up and so then they're like, Well, we have to give them something and someone's like, Well, it's directly connected to the the blockade runner uh right, from the original from a new film. And, and, yep. Right. And that's what's so great about it. So one of my favorite little things that they do is that when Vader chokes people, he does this pinching motion with his mm-hmm. fingers. Mm-hmm. But that, that Republic soldier that he grabs, he does the full crush, which means he yeah. just crushed that dude's windpipe. Yeah. And then he chops him in half because because it's great. Cause it's Darth Vader as monster. It's yes. not Darth Vader as father. It's, Oh, this is the most terrifying being in the galaxy. We all have to be very afraid. Yes. Yes, and I love So, yes, I love Star Wars. I'm so glad y'all do, too. I have spoken. <laughs>